not just a belief of mine. It's a real knowing. Knowing that we can take what we love to do, whether it's baking, sewing, painting, whatever lights you up, then we can take that skill and make a great income doing exactly what we love to do. As author of What Should I Be When I Grow Up Now That I'm 40, 50, 60, Discovering Your Core and Also Your Gift Is Your Niche, it has been my life's work to help others, just like you and me, to discover passions, your purpose, powerful messages that you only you have so they can make the difference they were put here to make. Every week I will have deep, rich conversations with real life people that believe just like me. And here's what they believe. When you do what you love in a career, you will never work another day in your life. And this is the way I like to say it. When passion, purpose, and profit collide, that is when you get paid for being you. I'm Patricia Noldrain. Welcome to the podcast, When Passion Meets Profit. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Millennials on the Move episode. I love this episode because I love millennials, and today I love this girl a lot. Her name is Rachel, and I get to work with Rachel. You'll see why I like her so much after she identifies herself and tells her story. Her title today is, So I Have My Degree. Now what? I love that title because we all go through the same things. You go to school, you graduate, you get a job, have those kids, pay the mortgage, and then you're and goodbye, now you retire. It's just the weirdest thing that we all get into that little groove. And now the millennials don't want to do it like that anymore. Yay, I'm so glad they're going to change things. Now, before we get started and you get to meet Rachel, I just, I always like it when I get a a question from somebody. And I love this girl's name. Her name's Dakota. And she said, Patricia, can you name just one thing? I don't want a lot of things, just one thing to help a person discover their purpose, their passion, and their calling. Well, Dakota, and as much as I love your name, this is a really tough question to answer with one thing. So I'm going to say to you, because you made me insist on answering with one answer, that you have to get really good with asking yourself questions. Because you know the answers. It's just the question is the thing that will lead you to what your calling is. I'm going to give you just a, at least a couple of questions you could ask yourself, Dakota, and maybe this will help somebody else listening. One is, what do I always love to do? What have I always loved to do? And then just sit on that and let it just come out. Maybe make this a living question, put it up for a week or so. Another question might be, when was the last time I lost complete track of time? because I was doing something I enjoyed so much. I didn't even know what time it was. Okay, I'll give you one more just because I want to. I want to help you do this because I want everybody to find their purpose and not when they're 80 years old, you know. I want them to find it now. So here's another. If you were giving a message, your message, what you believe in so much to a class of seniors just ready to head out on their life, what would you tell them? What would your message be? Those are the kinds of questions that you have to just keep digging deeper and deeper and deeper, Dakota, and the rest of us out there. I'm coming up with another master class to really help people uh, find their purpose and their calling because after this pandemic, well, actually, we're still in it, but it's changed a lot of us. We're not willing to do it the same way it's always been done. We want to do things differently. 
Now on to our wonderful guest, Rachel. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. Oh yeah, this is fun. I love it that you're a millennial. And I always like to ask this question first of everybody because it really tells a story in itself. So where were you raised and what were you like as a little girl? I was raised about an hour from where I live now in Hot Springs, Arkansas. It's a very little picturesque town. I I mean, I loved growing up there. We lived about 20 minutes outside of the actual town. So like we didn't do the fast food thing. <laughs> Walmart mm-hmm. was like, you know, going to the grocery store. And uh, I'm in, from Arkansas, so obviously I'm <laughs> Walmart is what we have here. But going to the store was like an all-day event. It was a lot different um, than what I'm used to now, even just moving a little bit away. But as a child, I was a hide-behind-my-mom's-leg, very shy, pretty soft-spoken for the most part until I got really excited, very introverted, was okay with my, I you know, grew up an only child until my parents divorced and got remarried in my teen years. But I was an only child by choice. I wasn't one of those like miracle babies. I was like one of those children where my mom was like, yeah, I can do one. And that's about it. That's great. So I I was a lot of a bit of a different upbringing from a lot of only children. I was very comfortable with spending time alone, entertaining myself, Coming up with, I was very artsy and craftsy. I loved sticker books, anything I could get my hands on to draw or paint or color, even though I wasn't ever particularly good at it. I enjoyed creating things. So that was kind of the theme of my childhood. I was kind of to myself, stuck to myself and enjoyed making things really. Yeah, you you just did a fabulous job telling that. Most people have a really hard time, actually, Rachel, with that first question, because they want to, you know, kind of go back there in time, but they have a very hard time doing it. You did not. But what I'm very curious about is because you used to hide behind your mom, you were shy, you were soft-spoken, very introverted. It, would that describe you today? My tendency today is to kind of hide back into myself when I'm feeling anxious or nervous, but I have managed to figure out a lot of coping mechanisms to do the small talk, do have the harder conversations. Uh, it's still not my favorite. And, you know, like a lot of people, the pandemic and the quarantine and lockdown has affected me. But there's weeks that I'm like, I haven't left the house this week. Oh, oh, well, you know, (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so I mean, it's worked out for the best (laughs) considering circumstances now, but I've definitely learned more how to overcome those things. My mom also put me in dance and voice lessons at about four or five ish. And I really, she said that from outside looking in, she said, watching me, you know, learn those new things and get those new experiences around new people helped bring me out of my shell more too. Okay. Okay. You know, I've always wondered that because I see people that are very shy when they're little and then they're not shy at all as they're adults. And I just wonder what, what they did. And so for you, it was literally taking a class in, in voice. That's, Mm -hmm. that's, I think that's great. And I'm glad anybody that's listening is hearing that because I know some people that are so shy that it really is, I I guess I'd have to say they're standing in their own way because of that shyness. Did that ever happen to you? Like in high school, were you that shy that you 
stood in your own way of success? I've definitely had a fear of putting myself out there. It's not as much shyness anymore as it is. I've always been the kid who wants, or person, still to this day, I'm like this. I want to fully grasp something before I try it, before I do it in front of people. I want to be thorough. I want to be very, very, very sure of myself. So there was a lot of times that I was scared to try new things instead of just jumping in and trying it and being okay with failing. I was, I wanted to get things, I wanted to work it out in my mind and do it Mm -hmm. my way, like Mm -hmm. in privacy or whatever it may be. Like I was never the kid doing cartwheels on the playground until I was very, very sure that I could (laughs) do that cartwheel. So uh, yes, I stood in my own way some, but it was more, not just from shyness, but for wanting to be perfect a little bit, I guess would be my main issue. Yeah, that perfectionism. I was talking to a girl the other day and now she's been sitting on this project that she wants to do so desperately for five years. And she keeps saying, I'm doing a soft launch, a hard launch, a launch pretty soon. (laughs) And I finally said to her, what are you going to do? Because, and she said, I don't know. I'm a recovering perfectionist, but I can tell now that I really haven't recovered because I cannot push send. And to tell people that I'm doing this thing, I, it's just mm-hmm. almost impossible. Is that, Does that describe you? Yes, to a certain mm-hmm. extent. I have overcome it a lot. I've Actually, I podcast as well. And starting that podcast and putting myself out there several years ago really changed the way I thought about how I approach projects and that sometimes you just have to do it. And it doesn't even have to be good sometimes in the beginning. I mean, I would prefer for it to be good, but it Mm -hmm. definitely doesn't have to be perfect. That's not a level we can achieve. So I've gotten, I've gotten better at that over the years. And that's something that having children (laughs) has definitely schooled me on because (laughs) they really, you know, not that they're trying to, but they really shine a light on our imperfections. And so I figured I might, (laughs) I might as well embrace them and continue to move through them and, and really look at what I am good at and what I can push through and what I can do and letting go of some of the things that I was trying to do that didn't work for me. That's great. Good for you. You know, I, I, when you said that about children, I remember my son, Scott, or our son, Scott, he answered the phone one time and he was maybe four and he never, he never answered the phone, but he answered the phone. And one of my friends had called and said, can I talk to your mom? And he said, no, she's at a child abuse meeting. (laughs) Thank heavens it was my friend because I was teaching the child abuse meeting because I'm a mother of twins and mothers of twins are child abusers. And so I was teaching and I have a special speaker. Uh I said to him, would you stop saying that? Yeah, it's just funny because you're absolutely right. They shine a light on on all kinds of things you don't want people to know. Yes, definitely. Mm -hmm. Well, Rachel, you know, you're still so young. And I just would love to hear your, your career path and your journey on your career. You know, tell me even from high school, how you decided to go into college and get your degree. Oh, it was a little bit of a windy path. Being the only child, I had a lot of expectations on me and it was never where I live college isn't as stressed upon as maybe some other areas. We're a big uh, rural area. So there's a lot of trade schools. There's a lot of other uh, focuses, which is great. I think we should be focusing more Mm -hmm. on that. But for my parents, my mom was a child of college professors. My dad got his economics degree and was really passionate about me pursuing my education. So there was never, I never in my life questioned if I should go to college or not. I knew Mm -hmm. that 
I was supposed to. So going into college, I really was interested in psychology. I had done my senior thesis for my English class on birth order, and I was just really my dad married into a family that had four girls and I, or three girls plus me. And I, from the outside, got to see that like youngest sibling, middle sibling, oldest sibling dynamic. And I was just fascinated with personality types and everything. And Mm -hmm. I decided that I was for sure going to get my degree in psychology, marched into college only to be told that the scholarship, I received a full scholarship plus stipend plus a computer. I was very, very lucky to receive all of that that I did. And then I got there and I was so pumped. I started setting up my classes and my advisor said, well, the scholarship that you got actually is for information science or computer science majors. And I was like, wait, excuse me. They had actually given me a sister scholarship to what I applied for. And the advisor was super nice and said, you know, we we won't, don't worry, we won't take away your scholarship, but as you're getting your basics, if you will just take these two information science classes, then you can change your major after that. I was like, okay, you know, I'm getting my basics anyway. So my freshman year, I ended up being an information science major, which I met my husband in an information science class. So I cannot, I cannot, everything happens for a reason. Beyond that, I decided, okay, I don't want to do information science. This is not for me. I decided to do radio TV film for a year. And then I was like, okay, but what am I going to do with this? Am I really going to travel to random places and stand outside and talk about, you know, the crime that just occurred? I was like, you know, wait, what am I doing? That sounded really cool. But once I got into the classes, I was like, you know, let's, it's time to get serious. It's time to get a real career, a real job. So I had a teacher in high school that recommended, thought I'd be a great elementary teacher. And, you know, so that really started sinking in and I'm like, okay, that's, that's a that's a clear path, okay? I can get my degree. When I get my degree, I just have to take a test. I'll be licensed. That leads straight into jobs. There's a, there's an easy path cuz like I said I met my husband my freshman year of college. So I was, you know, I was ready to get my career and get, you know, I I knew I was going to get a degree, but I just, you know, needed the steps to get to my job. So I graduated with my elementary education degree. I really enjoyed working with kids, but after three years and I was pregnant with my first, you know, our first child, I was like, wait, this is really the culture of education right now in the United States. And in the past 10 years, it's been a while since I've taught is not a very enjoyable (laughs) culture. I was Mm -hmm. burning the candle at both ends. I was so worn down. There was so much paperwork. We were just figuring out like what boundaries were with emails and parents and how we were supposed to be available for communication. And I don't have a super high energy level. So being available at all times to parents who needed something was just wearing me down. And on top of that, I was about to have a newborn. So I was like, okay, like take a deep breath. Let's figure this out. And I was like, okay, I don't have to use that degree. I just paid for, I can, I can work from home. I can figure out other things. My husband had the opportunity to get a new job. And so we looked at each other and we said, you know, we're going to make this work. I'm really loving this conversation, aren't you? But I want to talk to those of you who want to go deeper. We all attended school at some time. Maybe you're attending school right now. But inside those schools are teachers that have the responsibility to teach certain courses. But what they don't teach is really the most important thing in life, self-discovery. You know the self-discovery that would help us know what we are supposed to do in a career. And also that self-discovery on how we're supposed to make an income to really take care of our families. 
Well, I decided a long time ago, it's time for me to share what I know so I can help somebody with a step-by-step process that anybody can follow. I created a digital downloadable course called Your Gift is Your Niche because people were asking me all the time, Patricia, what's my niche? And I'd always say, your gift is your niche. So now I created a course called yourgiftisyourniche.com and I spell niche with an N-I-C-H-E. And in this very affordable, life-changing course, I walk you through very simple exercises. They'll not only help you find your unique gifts, but they'll also show you how to monetize your talents and skills. You know, the ones you came into this world with. I'm so glad I created something that I, I don't even, I don't think, I know it's going to be able to help you in your self-discovery journey because it's a simple six-hour course with action sheets that support everything that I'm saying in the course. And you also get my wonderful book, What Should I Be When I Grow Up Now That I'm 40, 50, 60. That's going to help you also with different exercises in that book. I'm also glad I made it into an, what I call an SPL course. That's a self-paced learning because we all learn in different ways and at different times. I cannot wait for you to get to know the most important person in your life. That's you. So go to yourgiftisyourniche.com, N-I-C-H-E. And if this page speaks to you, then seriously, invest in you. It's time to claim your destiny. Now let's get back to the conversation. I had the absolute blessing of a completely sleepy firstborn. She was easy, knock on wood, you know. My second one wasn't like that, so nobody would get too jealous. But my first one, she slept a lot. I taught myself so much while she was that first two years alive during nap times. During I, I've always been a, if I can read something, I can do it. And I don't have to learn by doing, but I'm really a reading writing. Like if I... I can copy an article from the internet and know the information from it. So I was able to teach myself graphic design. I was able to teach myself photography. And so I started an Etsy shop where I was selling printables, where you could make your own invitations. I was doing photography locally. And then over time, I just realized that the photography, the hours weren't great for raising a family. When my daughter was little, before she went to school, it was great because I was getting out of the house. I needed that outside of the house time. And that was great. And then we got to a point where she's in kindergarten all day. And I, and then I have to leave again. I'm like, wait, no, this, this isn't what I wanted to do. So I pivoted my business again and went into virtual assisting, which basically end up into podcast production. So that's where I got to where I am today. But it was one of those things where I just always challenged myself, which this was a low bar because I did get a teaching degree. I challenged myself to make as much as I would as a teacher. And so far, working from home on my own schedule, creating my own businesses, I've been able to do that. And that's not for lack of work or lack of trying, but I've been able to switch it up enough where I'm not burning out completely. I was I taught for almost three full years before I had my daughter and I was 
burnt to a crisp, mm-hmm. <laughs> burnt to a crisp. And that was, you know, there was a lot of factors to that. It's not every school that burns you out like that. It's not every situation. And in my personality type, I felt everything so deeply, every single parent that was frustrated with their child's, you know, performance or progress or what, you know, I felt all of that so deeply and I didn't know where to turn that off. So I just realized that I didn't pick the right degree for me. I didn't pick the right certification and that's mm-hmm. okay. And I can move beyond that and figure out what is right for me and continue to do that at my own pace. And it hasn't been always fun. It hasn't always been easy, but I'm very glad that I took the risk I did and didn't just go straight back into the classroom and just continue to run myself ragged. I'm so glad you gave yourself permission, Rachel, to do that because I just know so many people with teaching degrees and they hate kids and they hate teaching. And now they're 30 into it. And so I'm just so proud of you to just say, you know what, I have a degree, but I, that's not the degree I want to be using. I want to go back to a couple of things that you said, though. You mentioned that you were very interested in psychology. That was really exciting for you to get there to school. And then, of course, they told you, I'm sorry, you know, the scholarship is for information science. (laughs) And I just wondered if you still have that interest in psychology and in people and how they speak and where they, you know, all the stuff about them. Oh yes, definitely. And I almost when I when I went back to figuring out what major I wanted, I almost went back to psychology and then I sat down and looked at like what the actual schooling I had to do, what it yeah. took. I was already after one year of college, I was like, okay, I'm not a professional student. I don't want to do this forever. I want to get out there. You know, I want to finish my degree, but it's, I couldn't picture myself at that phase doing a doctorate. So I didn't want, I didn't want to pursue psychology any further because I couldn't figure out what that looked like as far as a career path and what forever, which I'm making all of these decisions at 19 years old. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's hilarious to me to say, I didn't know what that would look like. Of course I didn't know. I was 19 right. years old. I had zero life <laughs> experience. I had lived on my own for one whole year. You know, I, I didn't have the capability to forward think that far enough. It seemed too far in advance. I couldn't mm-hmm. see myself doing it. Very, yeah. I've I've thought about, I, I really considered going back to school for my master's in school counseling, but anymore school counseling doesn't look like anything that has to do with actual counseling. It's a no. lot of, <laughs> it's a lot different now too. So I, I, I'm very much still interested in that. And I love that more personality tests like the Enneagram, the Myers-Briggs mm-hmm. tests are becoming mainstream. And that's something I just kind of do for fun with my friend, like I, I talk to my friends all the time. I'm like, what, you know, what Enneagram number do you think you are? And then I break it down and I love talking about it. So it's kind of just become a hobby. And I'm, I am, I have become the friend. I have several of my friends that I am, I'm a vent. I'm a, you can vent to me. <laughs> I'm a vent person and I can let people talk it out and give my unbiased opinion as much as possible. And, you know, sometimes I definitely wish I would have pursued, pursued psychology further, but I'm still finding little ways to bring that interest into my life. Well, you know, Rachel, it's funny. As you're talking, I'm remembering this psychologist back east, and she called me one day and said, can you certify me as a coach? And I said, now, wait a minute, aren't you a psychologist? And she said, yes, but I need to be certified as a coach. I said, no, you do not. <laughs> I, I mean, of course, I'll take your money, but that I'm just telling you, you do not. Well, she still did the certification program because she didn't have the confidence in that arena, which she should have. 
So one of the things I'm going to say to you is I would love to see you step into that coaching world. And no, you don't have to be certified. Step into that coaching mentoring world and maybe become the Enneagram coach, you know, the person mm -hmm. that really allows you to unfold who you really are. Everything about what I do today is talking about play to your strengths. But so many people don't know their strengths. And so I love that you asked me, I think the first day I met you, you said, what Enneagram number are you? And I didn't know what you were talking about. So I asked my friend, and I think you, you mentioned this word to me. I told her the Enneagram and she said, yeah, I think I can't remember now if it's a four or whatever, whatever the helper is, is what I guess. Two. I am. Two. Oh, it's a two. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah, there you go. I think yeah. really, Rachel, that's something I think you can add to your playlist of things to do because you're such a natural listener you're, and you're such a good communicator and you're so interested in people. And yes. what, you know, what their sign is and all that kind of stuff. I think that's just wonder. I can't wait. You're going to be my coach now. I'm so happy. My Enneagram <laughs> yes. coach. Yes. I've <laughs> yeah. done, I've done a lot of research and studying on the Enneagram and Enneagram. And, the, you know, I, it gets tricky when it gets into specifically coaching for that kind of stuff, because oh. I love it. And, in but it's one of those where I'm like, will I love it if that's what I ha if that's if, if if I have to do it for money, will I still love it? So I've I've yeah. been exploring those roads, but I can't tell yet if I will still love it once I monetize it. You know, that's taken a lot of steam out of me in the past. I've made things I like brace like I've made bracelets over the holiday season just for fun because I mm -hmm. wanted I wanted to physically make something. I wanted to create something. And then after the holiday season, I was like okay, I'm not taking orders for a while and I don't know when I will again. I just needed that in that season to keep me busy, something else to do. So I just, I go in little phases where I pick up new hobbies, new things, new, and then I can, then I let it down. My daughter, my eight-year-old has encouraged me to learn needle felting where you make the little animals out of wool. And so oh, that's, that's my newest. We wanted to do it together, but I didn't fully understand that needle felting meant literally stabbing wool with a needle. And so I had to... <laughs> I, oh, had wow. to, I had to remove her from that hobby. And I told her I would make her some things for her. It's just the cute little animals that are made out of wool. And it, it, I, I think I'm just that person that always needs to be making something. And I've mm -hmm. really, really tried over time to take pressure off myself as far as I always thought what I had, what I made, what I enjoyed making had to make me money. And that's what I'm kind of as I'm in my mid thirties now realizing that like, if I like it, I can just like it. I don't have to make money. That's off right. Of it. I that's do right. have to make money somehow, but I yeah. don't have to make money off of every single thing I do. So that's been a shift. So I'm, I'm trying to figure out where the Enneagram fits in there, but yes, it is something it, it I'm definitely, definitely passionate about. Yeah, it definitely fits in there. And quite honestly, I want everybody to hear what I'm going to say right now. It is okay. In fact, God wants you to make money with what you love to do yes. because you can be so much more helpful. The The clue for me with you, Rachel, was when you said, you know, when I got these sisters and I started watching now how that one acted and that one acted, I'm telling you, that's one of the signs of, of passion. That's one of the signs of, and it really is okay to put a price on that and help somebody really find out on an Enneagram or whatever. I mean, there's so many things out there that you can do today to really get into yourself. I can't tell you the need right now, especially after this pandemic with people really searching for a different way to do things. And mm -hmm. you can, I, no, I really, I want to talk further with you about that because it really is okay to help another person understand who they are and why they act the way that they do. 
And that's what people are looking for today, Rachel. Now, one of the last things I always like to ask, because I know you've grown a business and I know, yes, you're a very multi-gifted girl. And so you always will have to be making something and maybe a bracelet here and maybe it's something over here. But we all have to have our stable, our secure income coming in, you know, to pay for the mortgage, pay for your children, pay for them going to college, all that. But one of the things that I'd like to hear from you is, have you ever used something tangible, a tangible tool that you could share with us that you really knew helped grow your business? Oh, this is, I I thought about this and I thought about this, and this is a tough one. And honestly, and, and I don't even know if this is kind of what you're going for with the question, but networking in business Facebook groups has given my business the biggest boost networking with other people that's how I got connected to you Patricia with somebody uh, that I'd worked with in the past recommended me to someone you know and that's it's and I've made some really good friends out of that getting connected into a community where you can spread value that Mm -hmm. you bring to the table authentic in an authentic way Mm -hmm. because I feel like so many of the networking in the business and it gets a little bit spammy it gets a little bit salesy but I've had a few interactions that are just been very meaningful and very pivotal to my business I actually got a new client recently for podcast production through a ran a very random connection and then it's been so fulfilling to work with they're a global they're a global podcast of women wanting to empower other women and there's one in Germany there's one in Africa like it's just a very cool project that I never ever would have gotten myself involved in if I wouldn't have spent that little extra time finding a really good place and mine happens to be Facebook groups. If you're in an online community, there's somewhere where you can plug in, find those other people that are working from home. I know that now that the pandemic's here, most of us are working from home and that extra bit of connection, I've been doing it for years, so it's nothing new to me, but that mm-hmm. extra bit of connection, working with networking and not necessarily in person anymore. Networking is different than it used to be. And making those like real authentic connections has been a game changer in my business for sure. Well, that is a brilliant tip for heaven's sake. And you said, I don't know if this is really what you want. (laughs) That's what I want. Yep. That's a tangible thing. And I think a lot of people uh, don't realize that Facebook groups are are really where it's at. It's not necessarily just on on just a page. Do you agree Mm -hmm. with that? Yes. Yes. And there's a, there's a few, you have to, there's a few that are terrible (laughs) that I've joined and no offense to any Facebook group out there. They Mm -hmm. aren't what I need. Just if you're searching keywords in your demographic and your there's, I mean, there's a hundred and one, if you're a female, female business owner groups that really, you kind of just have to go in, look for questions that pertain to your niche, add value and don't don't necessarily try to sell sell people. I have a few friends that we've you know have kind of in the same groups that they will look out for me and I will look out for them. Like if I see a question about social media management, I have a specific virtual assistant that I tag that uh, I know she's taking more clients and I know she's great. And so giving those recommendations and you know that just helps. I can I have her that I can chat with and say, hey girl, this has been a rough business day. What about you? You know, because we mm-hmm. are so isolated compared to an office situation. It's oh, just yeah. it's just a lot different. And, and now that I'm leaning into that, I'm really enjoying that sense of community there. 
Well, what I love about this particular podcast is that Rachel is my podcast producer. (laughs) And now she's on my show also as my star. And it's because of who she is. Now you know why I like her so much, uh, because you just got to know her. And so I always like to share golden nuggets at the end. And Rachel gets to listen to all of them from all of my speakers, my experts. And I got 10 from you today, Rachel. And so here they are. Number one, perfectionism will definitely hold you back. And so I'm so glad, Rachel, that you have tweaked that and worked at it and really noticed it because you are uh, reformed now. (laughs) You're no longer that. I'm still I'm still in I'm still in recovery. I'm doing my best. (laughs) (laughs) Number two, stay true to your desires. And I really I really saw this, Rachel, when you were so excited. You should have heard your voice. Well, you'll hear it. When you started talking about psychology and your sisters and, you know, how fun that would be to get to really know people, you, once again, you don't have to be a psychologist. I'm into people every day of my life, and I'm, I'm not a psychologist. Number three, some things happen for a reason. And I loved that, that message that you said, because you went to that school, you went into that particular session of information what's it called uh, information, information science. science it's a fancy yeah it's a fancy way of saying uh it's more database than computer science but it's the same difference oh, Just is in, it? yes yes it's in the computer science realm so definitely that wasn't for me <laughs> and number four if you make a career mistake it's okay to change That's the most important thing that you said, Rachel. I can't tell you how many people cling to that engineering degree or or especially the lawyers that I work with. I can't tell you how many of them don't want to be a lawyer. And now they have the golden handcuffs on. Number five, you don't have to use your degree. I said it twice. I said it in two different ways because I think it's so powerful. Number six, always be a student. I really love that you were, that you are self-taught, that you went into photography, to graphic art. You know, you're trying all those things to see which one gives you the most pleasure or is it a combination of everything? Number seven, challenge yourself to do better and be better. I loved that when you said that you were going to look back and decide, can I make as much at home as I would as a teacher? And you, you proved to yourself that you could. Of course, as a teacher, I made $18,000. So yeah. I, I can definitely make more than that. Yeah, it uh, wasn't a very high bar in my state either. <laughs> so it, it, it's great that that's probably why the lawyers have more trouble letting go of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we're, we were lucky. Number eight, don't allow yourself to burn out. I did too, Rachel, and it's not a good feeling to burn out. To you know, Your hair starts falling out, for heaven's sake. You start trembling. It's not a good thing. And But you discovered it, Rachel. This is what I love about you. You discovered it and said, I'm not doing it like that anymore. Number nine, and I want you to hear this big time, Rachel. Ready? Are all you listening ready? <laughs> it's okay to make money doing something that you love. Because it's just the way that God would like it to be. I don't know why I'm bringing God into all this. And then number 10. Network authentically in Facebook groups. And I love that also that message also, Rachel, from you, because I know what you mean. There's a lot of people out there. I mean, I have one girl that's in my group and she said, I can make you a millionaire. See, don't do that if you're not a millionaire. She, she doesn't have any money. 
She's completely broke and she's telling people she's going to make them a millionaire. I think you kind of have to know what you're talking about before you say you can help somebody. And that goes back to what you said. You really want to grasp some, grasp at something and be very sure of yourself before you do a cartwheel. <laughs> and I think that's darling about you because I do the cartwheel and fall over and I don't care. <laughs> well, there's there's something admirable about that, too. <laughs> oh, God. Well, this has been so much fun, and we only went over by a couple of minutes. I like to keep them around 30, because I do think people have attention spans. But I think you're one of the most interesting podcast guests I've had on. I just well, I, I'm glad I could come on. Thank you yeah. so much for having me. I am, too, Rachel. Thank you so much. And until we meet again, everybody, it's Patricia Noel Drain. Thank you so much for spending your precious time with me today. Hey, if you got something out of this, maybe you'd consider sharing it with someone else that you care about. I want to leave you with a secret to success in life and business. Aha, here it is. If you can't share a solution to a problem someone is having, that is true success. Now, maybe these examples might help you. I discovered two major problems that I help solve. I really didn't realize how major they were until I realized no one is teaching this stuff. The first one, of course, goes right back to this podcast. What's my calling? What's my purpose? And that's why I created the digital downloadable course, yourgiftisyourniche.com. I already mentioned it er earlier in the episode. But finally, I came up with another problem that I can solve, and it's how to live a happy, long-lived, lasting marriage. Now, I created a book called The Chosen Few, and I share a hundred tips that myself and others, other long-lived couples, I might say, put together so that you can have a conversation, especially if you're a committed couple. Now, what is the problem you solve? Think about it. Because you might really have something to share with somebody that will change their life forever. We also have a Facebook group. It's free. I'd like you to come on to it because it goes beyond the podcast. It's called <clears throat> When Passion Meets Profit. Until we meet again, it's Patricia Noel Drain.